Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. We haven't forgot that college tennis is right around the quarter. You know, the season has already gotten underway, but we have the ITA kickoff weekend coming up just this week. And so we're going to talk a little college tennis on this podcast today. We didn't forget about you college tennis fans, and of course we'll have a ton of stuff moving forward in 2019, but joining me as my co-host, it is Cracked Rackets contributor, former four-star recruit on tennis recruiting, and the personification of tennis cocaine, it is Matthew Sikoyak. Matt, hey, great shot. What's going on, Gruskin? And making a return appearance on the Great Shot Podcast. It is his tweets that got me fired up about this year's season. You know him as at College Tennis Ranks. I know him as Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot, and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. All right. Let's move on to our next thing. You know, there are so many teams in college tennis, and it's so hard to monitor everything that's going on. But still, you know, one of the most important things factoring into the year-end rankings, into how uh, and which teams get certain seedings, get to host NCAA uh, regionals, is the conference play, of course, most important, the power conferences where the best teams are playing most often. And what I want to do now is talk about each of these power conferences. You know, before we start, I should say, when I made the outline, I had Texas A&M in the Big 12, and I called uh, the Pac-12 the Pac-10. So, hey, great shot to me. But let's start with what has been, at least for the past maybe five, six years, well, definitely the past four years, but maybe the past six years, the best conference, the one that seems to be determinative of who's going to win the NCAA final. That, of course, is the ACC. You know, in in part one of our conversation, I made my case for Virginia, but the three teams I think are going to compete for the title, Virginia, Wake Forest, UNC, and a dark horse that I'll get into later. You know, Chris, am I crazy for thinking that? No, I think those are definitely the three favorites, and and I would say uh, the Two other teams I think could compete are Notre Dame and Florida State, but uh, but I think it's but, but I think it's really uh, I mean it's it's wakes to lose at this point. They're wakes they, to lose, they, really. So oh, make the case there yeah. because for people who are just casual fans, they lost Ian Dempster from their doubles lineup. Mo- more importantly, they lost Skander Mansuri, who really was one of the hearts and souls of that team. The hair, the doubles play, you know, so scared of his forehand, and then they lose Christian Seraphim, who at the NCAs, you know, clinched so many matches for them at six. Was another guy who was a staple of their doubles lineup. You think this despite losing all of that experience, they're still the favorite in this conference? I, I think so. And I, and I, but I do, I'll say that, that where, where they'll are potentially going to get in trouble, right. Is kind of down in the, in the five, six area. They're, they're just super strong up, up top. You know, it, it, when you've, when you've got uh, Risojos and, and Goyo up there and Barbots, or they brought in, I'm going to butcher names just like you, Grus- Gruskin, stop <laughs> you. Uh, but uh you know, they're they're good for they're good through through those four, and then it gets it, it gets a little tricky after that. But uh, but I but they have so many guys, uh, and and they are uh, you know they've got another they'd signed at the same time the another or they just brought another January guy in to, to help out. So I I think they're you know they're going Tony's going to have some options, but I I think they're the favorite as long as the you know the top three stay healthy. Matt, am I crazy for saying Petros Frisokos is the best player in the country? Oh, not at all. And not at all. W- is it a stack if he plays anything but number one for them this year? 
He's not playing I mean, number one. He's it, not? You well, don't think so? No. He's the defending NCAA champ. He, Sorry, Matt. We're boxing you out. <laughs> and yeah, we'll let Matt talk. <laughs> Look, it, if he doesn't play one, it's a stack. But like Chris mentioned, I think he, I think he'll probably play two, just because that's how they did it last year. It worked for him. That's how they're gonna roll with it. Is it a stack? Yeah, it is. But they're close enough in skill level to where, you know, you can't really call him on it. So. You know, Petros is probably the best player in college tennis. Look at his record last year. Most of that was at number two. Doesn't really matter. If he's playing one or two, he's going to win. So, so let's expa- I, I think— w- I was going to say, let's expand the scope of this argument. I want you to go first, Matt, and then you, Chris. Petros, Borna, no matter what order they play, is that the best one-two in the country? Yeah, I mean, I would put those two out there against— anybody and and feel good about my chances let's put it that way are they the best I mean I've always kind of liked the Blumberg Seguin combo when those two are playing their best tennis at UNC but no I mean Borna and Petros look if those are my one and two I'm feeling great going into every single match no doubt they're they're as good as anybody Chris I I think you probably give them the nod as, as the best one too but I I don't, I don't call it a stack in the least. And, and I think, I don't know how far history you'd have to go back, but uh, Bourne is higher UTR consistently. So I don't, I, you have a hard time saying it's a stack. Yeah. Petros won. Uh, he won NCAAs, but, uh, but Borna has, a, he, I, I don't know if it's just maybe that he, uh, when it, when it comes to some of the matches, he just doesn't, he doesn't play his best always. And maybe Petros is a little more consistent, uh, but you know, you, when Borna gets out there, uh, you know, playing, playing the big, uh, international stuff, he, the guys, he's great. Uh, so here's the thing though, Chris, we're talking about college tennis, not pro Petros. It, like, you know, UTR is great. I love UTR, but let's throw that aside for the minute. Just use the eye test. I mean, to me, watching those two guys, Petros to me is just, he, he he's lost the better once pl- in 2018. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's just the better. He's the better player to me. And you know what was their score in the in the final? Was it th- like three and three to Petros? I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much stock we can put into that. But just from my eye test, I watch those guys a lot because I'm local and and I see them play. It just Petros to me is is the guy. He just is. Yeah. He, oh, certainly. And I and I think he's a great team guy too. Uh, I mean, for 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 college tennis, he's he's outstanding. Uh, and and like you said, it's they're, he's going to win probably no matter no matter where he plays. Uh, yeah, and but. when we t- when we talked to Petros, we, I had the chance to interview him right after NCAA's. As you mentioned, he's such a great team guy. I had to ask, you know, now that you've won the NCAA tournament, won a team title, you're ready to go pro in terms of where your game's at. Are you going to do that? His que- or his answer was absolutely not. You know. Nothing to me is more enjoyable than playing college tennis, and I'm absolutely going to take the opportunity to play my fourth year, stay as long as I can. So there is something to that attitude, and given the experience of Gojo, Krisokos, Botser, even Gajev, Kungu, uh, uh, Lubzinski, that's how I'm going to pronounce his name, uh, Eduardo Nava, Yuval Solomon— you're going to have to take the title away from them. They're going to make you earn it. Now, we gave the Virginia spiel in part one. I think something that this Wake Forest team is really going to have to battle with 
UNC is really f***ing good, and they're really deep as well. They've got so many options throughout their lineup, Chris. Oh, for sure. I mean, like like Matt said, Blumberg, Seguin at, at the top is great, and <clears throat> they are definitely, I would say, uh, they're they're deeper than Wake Forest, and they're a little more solid down low. So, if you know, if they play, and one two doesn't go to Wake they're in trouble against Carolina. Um, you know, certainly they got to get a split there. They don't want to, they don't want to come out of, they can't afford to lose the top two and then think they're still going to beat them, uh, after that. So, uh, they, you know, they've with, with Cernok coming in, uh, super solid, Bo Boyden, uh, you know, Josh Peck, uh, that Kiger, Matt yeah, Kiger, Matt Kiger, he's still got Sondergaard. I mean, that's a, they're they're a super talented team. Brian Cernock, the freshman as well, already up to number 59 in the ITA rankings. That's a ton of depth. Now, they lost a guy in Robert Kelly who, you know, if you watch matches, he was one of the heart and souls of their team. The guy amping them up always in doubles, a staple at one doubles for them. It's hard to lose that. But you can't convince me anyone in the country is a better doubles player than Will Blumberg. Just his skills on the court are second to none. The way he hits his serve, the way he hits his forehand, the confidence he seems to have on the court. He, no matter who he's playing, he thinks he's the best player on the court. You can just tell from his body language, and that confidence is so important when you have no ad points. Now, for a lot of these teams, it seems like we're going to talk about how they all have so much depth, and there are so many guys who can play so many different places. I think for UNC, it really helps that they know, you know, we are going to have Blumberg at one. We're probably, if not definitely, going to have Seguin at two, and we know we're going to have Boyden at six, and those are going to be the spots we rely on because those are where those guys have been playing. That sort of assurance, especially early on in the season when you're still trying to find that rhythm, I think that's going to be really important. And it wouldn't shock me if a team like UNC does better than a Wake team, which has to figure out so much at the bottom of their lineup early on in the year i don't i it's hard to make a case against that i I think you're right and i i still say it's wakes to lose only because they're the defending champion they've been there but but with with carolina's depth you know i I, i've told a lot of people i think it's everybody wants to look at who who the best players on the team are right you look at petros or, or or borna you look at blumberg but i i would make a much stronger case when you're talking about a team that let's look at who plays six the team with the better six and um in in i'd say more often than not is the team that's going to win the matches uh because you've got to have depth. the winning a match at one is no no better than winning a match at six they, they all count for one point uh, and, and having a strong <laughs> spoken like Trevor Fauché's uncle, <laughs> very, very much true. No, well, I I agree me... with you. I was going to say the counter to that is Virginia, right? Because two through four, man, if I'm staring down the barrel of Nakashima, Gianni Ross, and Weirsholm, that is a per, you know that is the meat of a lineup you want. Now Soderland may not be as strong as maybe a Gojo or a. Uh, Blumberg, but still that depth two through four, that is so intimidating. And I'm just curious, Matt, I think that's what's so funny about all three of these teams is the match calculus for each three. They they all match up well with each other. Yeah, they really do. It's going to come down to, you know, on that day when they play each other, who's going to come up, you know, on the bigger points, it's going to be close matches. Um, one point that I wanted to make uh, against Wake Forest possibly is I think their doubles is going to take a bit of a hit this year. Losing Skander, Seraphim, and Dempster, who were three outstanding doubles players, 
I think Wake's doubles could take a bit of a hit. And, and if they lose doubles points, like Chris already mentioned, their depth is... Look, they have a lot of options. Gajev was suspect last year. He was. He he's suspect. We don't know how some of the freshmen are going to perform. We know their top are the top of their lineup set, but if they lose doubles points and it comes down to a court on five or six, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I would I would almost like Virginia or UNC's chances in that situation if those teams are able to take the doubles point. I think all of that's fair. I think, again, part of what's fun about this ACC is these three teams we've talked about, Virginia, Wake Forest, UNC, there's a case for all of them to win this conference. Now, you know, if you guys have any final thoughts on those three, of course, share them after. But one outside case I have to make, of course, because, Matt, your brother Nick plays for Duke. And I have to bring this team up. They're unranked, but they have an early win over Arizona State, a match you are at where they were down 3-0, were able to come back. I think that's a testament to the fact this is an experienced Duke team, one of the most experienced Duke teams we've seen in a while. You know, they lost Nico Alvarez, but everyone else is back. We've got Nick Stokowiak, Sean Scully, Catalan Mateus, Vince Lynn, Ryan Dickerson, Spencer Furman, Robert Levine. You know, this team qualified for national indoors last year. They have done some things, and, you know, one 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 and two, they don't match up with those other three teams. But three through six, they've got a guy who's probably the same level all the way throughout the lineup. And I think, you know, depth, especially early on, is so important to team success. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're a resilient group. You know, the way that they played against ASU was, it was unbelievable. Um, super gritty, unbelievable effort. But Again, they're 0 for 2 on the year in doubles points, and that's something that causes a lot of concern. You've got to be able to win doubles points. They they lost to Elon and ASU uh, with with the dubs. So I don't know, man. I mean, I can't I can't make any case for them uh, to really to be a threat in the ACC this year. I just I don't see that case at all. Can they be middle of the pack? You know, can they beat some teams? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're just, they're not on the same level as UVA, Wake, UNC. And I think it'll be a struggle for them against squads like uh, FSU and, uh, you know, even a Notre Dame, teams like that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well then let's end this conference with a pick, of course. You know, Chris, you you seem to be leaning Wake Forest. This is obviously a conference. We've got regular season and then the conference tournament champion. You think those are both going to be the same? I I don't know that they'll both be the same. I mean, I think they're they're so close that it's going to be it, it. Actually, I think it'll be tough for it to be the same. I no no one's going to dominate. I mean, and given that it's not even just two teams competing for it, really, I think uh, the odds are will we'll probably see different winners of, of the regular season and the, and the conference tournament. But like I said, I'll, I'll say it's I'll I'm going to stick with wake until they prove me otherwise, which, which by the way could come quick because before we even get to indoors, wake has to play Oklahoma state, Virginia and Baylor. Jeez. Yeah. That's, that's a wake up call. That's how you get so, ready for a big tournament. Yeah, so they've got those three matches before we get to indoors. So they'll be at indoors, but they may no longer, uh, you know, be at the top of the ranking depending on how those matches go. Very fair. Then what about you, Matt? Regular season tournament champs. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wake. Uh, Until somebody proves that they can beat them, uh, I just, I don't want to pick against them. I think 
Virginia or UNC have a great shot. I think they're going to be right in the mix. But at this point right now, today, I've got to stick with Wake. I like it. I'm going to be different than you guys. I'm going to take UNC for the regular season. They could split that with Wake Forest, but I think they end up getting it straight up. I think there's going to be some sort of upset combination between these three teams. And then I'll take a hot Virginia team for the tournament. I think that's when they make their move. That's when they'll be striking. They'll have their doubles line to figure out. They'll figure out, is it Lord? Is it, um, you know, Goats? Who, who do we want playing six? And by that point, everything will be straight. Let's move on to our next conference then. We're doing these alphabetically, so of course we're talking about my home conference, the Big Ten now. We'll start with the obvious question, Chris. It's Ohio State and then everyone else, right? Yeah, it's Ohio, for sure it's Ohio State and everyone else. I, and I, I, not even Illinois? No, I don't. I mean, Illinois, I mean, they're they're good, but they're not Ohio, they're not Ohio State good. Ohio State's just head and shoulders above the rest of the, the teams I mean, here. You were with me at UNC when we had to do with the AAB, AAB, <laughs> and the Kofa Savage <laughs> chants, and the all-day Zeeks, and all three of those guys are coming back. So they, this is a lot of depth for this Illinois team. Now, of course, they lose Vukic, they lose Hiltzik, that's a lot. But you look for Ohio State, they lost Torp. Yeah, but, I mean, so so you talked about three at Illinois, now, now go further. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> That's that's a what good you, point. Well, I mean, Keenan Mayo, me? no, Keenan no Mayo, Ke- yeah, Keenan Mayo, no Cliff, uh, Budich, you know, Chakravarty, Gomes, Budich, yeah, Caleb Chakra Gomes is not playing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just they're they're not going to have that depth. Ohio State's got, it. yeah, you're right. It, it, it's it, I think you know for I've got to take later when we get to one of your other uh, things you wanted to talk about on on them uh it, with with losing torp but but no they're they're just they're they're going to be better than everybody else and I'll tell you what the, the the conference as a whole and we say everybody else because Illinois is a clear number 2 and then to me it's it's Ohio State but we say then everybody else it's really Ohio State then it's Illinois and then it's everybody else, uh, you know, led kind of by maybe Michigan, Minnesota, and, and IU, maybe in a three-way battle Michigan there. Michigan with that disdain. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, how can I not? I'm talking to Gruskin here. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, with the, the one thing to, to point out here that's going to be rough for the rest of the conference is the, the conference as a whole after you get, you know, after Ohio State, Illinois, is not that strong. So when it comes down to – the rankings and your rankings are based on you know getting points from who you beat there's not a lot of points to be had in the conference so you got to play some tough out of conference i'm not sure you know how many of those schools do ohio state plays a ridiculous schedule they don't even need their conference because they're you know they won't give them much i mean they play texas they play texas a&m they play stanford they play georgia they play usc they play arizona state they play I the mean, indoors yeah, yeah, they're they're going to have ten matches without playing the Big Ten. So, so the so the win they get over Illinois and Michigan will be the last two that help them, and you know, and that's it. But yeah, that's it's Ohio State uh, through and through here. I'll say the case for Michigan is they get both Illinois and Ohio State at home this year. Now, of course, as you mentioned. And as we mentioned in part one of this, Michigan lost a ton of starters last year. You know, they're one, two, five, and six. They've got a lot of freshmen they'll be breaking in as well. 
you know, Illinois, their depth from last season got a lot of experience, but now that everyone's going to have to jump one, maybe two spots in the lineup, that's going to hurt them. But then, Matt, you look at Ohio State, you know, preseason number two, last year's finalists at NCAAs, you know, they lose the staple of their lineup in Mikhail Torpegard, lose a doubles contributor in Matt Mendez, but they've got a guy who coming in might be playing the finest tennis of anyone in the country in J.J. Wilf, stepping up at number one, you know, Seelig's round out into a top 20 college player. McNally, the upside's always there. We've seen Martin Joyce now for a couple of years as a staple at the bottom of the lineup. Tim Siebert, up and down last year. They'll be counting on him. Is this Ohio State team, you know, even beyond Big Ten Conference, which they should win, are they a national contender in your mind? Oh, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned the loss of Torp, which is huge, but J.J. Wolf just beat Torp in a challenger. So that's JJ Wolf, but the difference is they don't get JJ Wolf to play one and two this year. They it's only one JJ. Well, you know, last year they had Torp and Wolf, and then you get the luxury of McNally at three. You're right, you're right. But I think at one at least, at number one, they're going to be fine. They're they're really not going to have any issues there. JJ's taken his game to a whole nother level. Um, yeah, no, they're definitely they're championship contenders in my mind they have the depth they have the experience these guys have been around a while the Joyce's the Seelig's Wolf is great you know McNally's always going to be there he can come up with a point when they need it um overall though the Big Ten is bad I think it's the worst power five conference for sure um you know Illinois that's a hot I mean that sounds like a harsh thing to say but I don't think I don't disagree at all yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just being honest. They're overall, they're the worst power five. Illinois has the ability to pose some problems. You know, they've got good players on their team, but, you know, overall, they're they're going to have to work really hard to threaten Ohio State at all. Um, and other than that, I think, I think those two teams are pretty much just going to roll everybody else. But in the end, it's OSU's for sure. I mean... Look, they're not losing. They've they've won a ridiculous amount of go back. It's been like ten straight years or twelve straight years that they've won the regular season in the Big Ten or something like that. It's not changing this year. Ty Tucker, man, he's too good. And I love Ty, and I love the chance I got to interview with him. But I mean, Chris, we both saw this Ohio State team last year in person. We both saw how much having the luxury of Torpegard at one meant to them. We also saw what happened when, you know, Martin Joyce was forced to play higher in the lineup. Kyle Selig was forced to play a spot higher in the lineup. Now, of course, it's a year later, but I don't know. There's so many deep teams like Ohio State. I think the lack of that, you know, that solidified number one and number two like they had last year with Torpen Wolf, like we mentioned with Wake Forest, Risokos and Gojo, UNC, you know, you have Seguin and Blumberg, USC, you've got Kokerman and Holt. Ohio State, you've got J.J. Wolf, and then no one else who's proved it yet as a top two player. Yeah, I think I think one of the big keys to this this team this year actually is gonna is is potentially gonna be James Trotter and and what does he do? He's he's the new guy, and you know another place that you and I were together last year was uh, sitting there watching the match between uh, between my guys and Ohio State. And I'll tell you what <laughs> we we lose we lose four three when it's three all and it comes down to Nuno versus Torpegard. So take Torpegard away from that team. 
I like my chances uh, and we've got the same team back. Right. So, so That's yeah, what I'm I saying it's, it's not even that Ohio state has gotten, you know, is bad. It's that all of these other teams stayed the same. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it, it is. It makes it, a, it makes it a tough case. Now Wolf is obviously playing better now than he was last year. Uh, and, and he beat Torpegard, but again, like to your, to your point, you don't have them at one and two. Now you've just got one of them at one and you've got, you know, probably McNally too, even though Sea league looks like he's been playing a little better. Uh, but, but you've got Sea league Joyce. And then it's, it's tough to say, it's tough to say that that same team without really bringing anything else in besides Trotter is, is, is going to be capable of doing it. So I think we'll have to see how good Trotter can play. Yeah, and Ohio State, a team that's always prided itself on its doubles performance. You know, there are a lot of recipes you could see. Okay, Wolf wins at one. You have a senior Martin Joyce probably playing five or six. He does well. And then, you know, Selig, if he's playing three. Siebert, if he's four. McNally's, if he's two. There's no sure fourth win in their lineup, and it's going to be interesting to see them play around because you know Coach Tucker loves to mess. You know, as you mentioned, Stokoeg, the Big Ten's probably the least interesting conference of these power conferences. So let's just quickly get on with a pick. You think it's Ohio State? Oh, 100%. Chris, yep. same thing? I'm not pick, I can't pick against Ty Tucker. Are you <laughs> no, kidding me? Yeah, no, no doubt Ohio State. I'm picking Michigan. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'll roll with Ohio State. I think that's fair. Let's move on to our, our next conference. This is the Big 12, but it's not really the Big 12 because there aren't 12 teams here. And I think I listed, what, three or four of the, how many? There's six teams in the Big 12 conference in reality. So it, it's a big six, I guess we'll call it. This conference is fascinating because even though it's you know so small in size, all of these teams are good, Chris. Oh, ab- absolutely! There is no bad team. It's they get when they get to conference play. Granted, they only have to play five teams to play to play a whole round robin <laughs> in the conference. Uh, there's you don't get you know it's you don't get a weak match. So most of the bigger conferences, you've got one or two where okay, we get a little bit of a break here, but. In the Big 12, a.k.a. the Big 6, yeah, no no <laughs> days off. Every one of them is good, uh, and and particularly those top four. I mean, the, the top four, you could make a case that you could almost – you potentially could kind of throw in a hat. I've got my own order, but uh, any, you know anybody could win that conference. We'll call it the Big 12 over two. Uh, you know, yes. you're, you're an ACC guy, Matt, so we talked about Wake Forest, Virginia, UNC as such a strong top three. Would you argue that the top of the Big 12 is better or worse than the ACC? Uh, worse, but just by a little bit. I think it's close. I agree with you, and I was going to say, if the ACC— oh. Uh, we haven't talked about the SEC yet, and they are loaded this year. But they just have so many teams in terms of you know the the uh, not the depth, but the uh, um, the density of good teams. I mean, the Big Twelve has to be number one. Well, and there's only six of them, so <laughs> that makes you Look, know math is on, that, is is a premium of the Big Twelve. Clearly. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but you know Baylor. I'm going with Baylor, for sure. I think Baylor's a title contender. Baylor's um, good. Texas is good. TCU's good. Look, the conference is good. There's only six teams. Every match is tough. But I just think Baylor, the superior coaching, that lineup, man, is just daunting. I, I just, 
I think Baylor has a shot to win the whole the whole thing this year. So I got to pick them in the Big 12. Chris, I'm sure. going to give you my top four real quick. I'm going to go Texas 1, Baylor 2, TCU 3, Oklahoma 4. Agree or disagree with that ranking? Wow, that's the exact same order I've got. Up. <laughs> it's because I watch your site. It's because you are my – it's, it's groupthink. That's the real truth. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I do – I mean – Baylor to me is the, they're a wild card. They could they they could really really make a run, but but Texas I Texas just didn't. They had on paper a, a much better team than they were last year. Uh, they've got they've got basically the team back minus uh, minus Adrian Ortiz, uh, but every one of those guys is a year older, and you know it. Uh, what those going from the freshman year to the sophomore year in college, those guys just have so much more experience. They know what's coming at them. They know what to expect. I I really think all of those kids are going to make a big difference. And Texas is some, is going to be a tough. They're going to be tough to beat. So I, I definitely make them my favorite. Where's that match at? Where's the Baylor Texas match at? Is that in Waco or at UT? Because. I agree with your sentiment right away because there's only six teams. Those type of things where a match is played, so critical yeah. in this conference. That's going to make a difference. I so think that, if that match that's is... In, that's at UT. Ooh. Uh, see, that almost wants me... I, I almost want to switch my pick. Well, I mean, who are but you I'm more not confident going to. I know this is only one spot, but Chris, who are you more confident in? You know, Roy Smith at one or Christian Siskard, given what we saw from Siskard last year? Uh, I'll say with with the year behind him that I'll take Siskard. I agree, and that's why it's just a lot of the pieces look great at Baylor. There's a lot of flashy toys, none flashier than, you know, Brian Boland. But this Texas team... You know, some of these guys were on the team that really pushed Virginia a couple years ago. It was either round of 16 or quarterfinals. You know, this is a team that has NCAA experience. They lost last year round of 16 in a closer-than-it-looks 4-1 to Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Chris. I think Texas is number one in this conference. Baylor, obviously, a ton of talent. Oklahoma, getting Spencer Papa back, that means a ton. And, you know, I I feel like we always sleep on Alex Rabikov and the TCU Horned Frogs, who have been a staple these past five years. Matt, did we convince you to change your mind? Yes, but I'm still not going to. (laughs) Um, The more I think about it, look, Texas is going to be really good. And that matches at UT. Oh man, that just means more points if Baylor wins, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> look, I, I got to stick with Baylor. I'm going to stick with Baylor. But I, the more I look at this roster, Texas could make some serious noise. I mean, they they really could. I, I like that team a lot. I guess I'm just going to have to hold on to hope that on that specific day. <laughs> Baylor just shows up to play, and they're a little bit better than Texas. But man, yeah, it shows that, how that could go either all way. These, all these teams are so close. It's interesting for Texas. You still don't know who's going to be their five, who's going to be their six. Again, as we mentioned, that's going to be so fun to watch moving forward. But I want to ask one last thing about this conference to you, Chris. You know, as we've mentioned, there's only six teams. The uh, the guys we are the two teams we didn't mention: Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Chris, what are the chances all six of these teams make the NCAA tournament? It's 100%. 100%? 100%. 
So by virtue of that, does that make this the best conference yeah. in the country? Yeah, it depends on what your definition of the best conference <laughs> is, right? If your definition is, does every team make the tournament? Sure. Is, you know, uh, is it if you're saying, hey, are the top three the best top three? You could make a case, but maybe not. Uh, you, I, I'm, I'm with you on the fact I think the ACC top three at this point are, are a little bit better. Uh, but uh, but if you're going to take it as, you know, as a whole, because there's not a single weak team yeah, it's it's got to be the toughest conference to play in uh, because now it becomes all about your non-conference scheduling because you know you're getting five hard matches no matter who you are. Yeah, poor Texas Tech. They really need to schedule some some uh, some stat patterns. What what was it? Alabama's women's team that played like seven matches in one day or something? Wouldn't shock me if Texas Tech does something like that. Well, they, they've outlawed. Uh, they, they changed that rule. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. gone. Yeah. Oh, they closed that loophole. Smart move by them. Let's move on to our next conference then the pac 12 formerly known as the pac 10 um obviously you, when you talk about this conference there's the three california teams that always stand out usc ucla stanford we talked about this a little bit with ita kickoff weekend but chris usc is the team to beat here right oh for sure and and i think you've got i i i've kind of got them in that order usc ucla stanford uh and then you and then the rest, which you know, you've got Arizona State, Cal, and Oregon that are that are good teams. They're not. Oregon's, they're not. Cool. I'll take a flyer on Oregon. You know, Laurent can hang with anyone. Yeah, uh, again, they're but, not going to beat ASU though. But then they I'll, just don't have the depth. Yeah, then I come back to how good's your six, right? Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't care how good your one is. How good's your six? Because that tells me how much generally where your four and five are too. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, but I I, I think USC is is the team to beat but i tell you that the ucla team is is going to be interesting i think if ucla had one more player they'd they'd be really really good because if evan zoo stays are they your favorite in this conference i think so interesting see here's the thing about this usc team Brandon Holt, Kokerman, Verboven, Logan Smith, Riley and Tanner, Jake Devine, you know, those are all only returners. That has been the nucleus of this USC team for the past three years. And we saw last year they upset USC or UNC in the round of 16, make the quarterfinals before they, you know, they're just forced with another matchup with UCLA. And I'm sure that's the last team they wanted to play. But he may not get the press of a Blumberg, of a Free Sokos. Brandon Holt is as good as any player in the country. Brandon Holt, you feel confident if you're USC going into any of these Pac-12 matches thinking, you know, we have the best player on the court. Yeah, Oregon might argue, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> sure. And so it's just when you have that sort of strength, this sort of depth, you know, they have what right now, I think, not including Holt, they have four players ranked inside the top 35, one of them, of course, being Tanner Smith. And who knows if Tanner even cracks the lineup. I don't know. Probably Matt, not. Matt, what are we are we right? Are we too low on Stanford, too low on UCLA who obviously UCLA ITA indoor finalists had OSU on the brink last year in in, in the semifinals of a match that really could have gone either way. Are are we sleeping on them? Maybe just a little bit. I agree with you guys. USC is my favorite as well and my pick to come out of that conference, but look, I think 
the matches between USC, UCLA, and Stanford are all going to be tight. They're they're going to have some good battles. And I think a couple of those teams, I know USC and UCLA always play a home and home. They're going to play two matches. And I think Stanford might as well uh, with both of those schools. So they're going to play each other a couple of times. And, you know, I like USC, but, you know, don't discount UCLA or Stanford. I mean, because they've got good players. So it, it could come down to it. It could come down to the wire. You know, Chris, if Stanford doesn't lose, you know, if, if they just lose Fawcett, it's almost an Ohio State situation where you're just losing Tor- Torpegard. But the fact that they lose Fawcett, Famba, and Wilchinski, you know, are replacing with Rotsart. And, of course, Janender might get back in the lineup. You've got Jack Barber, Will Jennison, Axel Geller, Samir Kumar. To me, they still feel, you know, maybe a player short. Yeah, I, th- I, I think you're right on there. Um, they're going to be good at one and they're going to be good at one and two. Rotsart's good. Kamar just took a bad loss to an A to somebody from A&M that's probably not even in the lineup in the tournament they had this weekend. So I'm not sure, you know, it, it, he hasn't been superb uh, li- lately. So I, I think outside of the top two, they're they're suffering a, a little bit. But I mean, they're obviously still strong, but I don't think they're they're not they're not there with USC and UCLA right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, then let's get to the picks. Um, you know, unless I'm missing a team, it sounds like it's really going to be USC, UCLA, Stanford. Chris, who do you have as your conference champion? Uh, USC. For sure. You, you you think they might they might lose though one of those regular season matchups? Oh, that, for sure. I don't think they're on the table. That those those other teams. I'm making it sound like they're you know making it sound like it's the Ohio State Big Ten thing. No, not at all. <laughs> you, they will lose. They will lose once, if not more than once, uh, in the Pac-12 uh, season. I mean, those the other teams, somebody, those other teams are no slouch. They could they could jump up and bite you for sure. Uh, so, but I just think, uh, I think USC will come out of there. All right, what about you, Matt? Yeah, for sure. Trojans all the way, but... Again, one other team that I don't want to forget about is ASU. I'm telling you, once they get completely healthy, they sort out their lineup a little bit, they could cause an upset. You know, they're not going to win the conference. You know, they're probably not even going to get second. But would it shock me to see ASU get third over, say, Stanford? Probably not. I mean, I think they could easily do that. But overall, uh, USC to me is one of the absolute best teams, top five team in the country. So I got to go with them. I think that's fair. I agree with you guys. You've said it already. I'm going to pick USC as well. On to our next conference. This, of course, is the conference and the reason Chris agreed to do this podcast. We're going to do this in an interesting way because I think I know the direction you two are thinking, and I'll play the devil's advocate role. I'm going to scratch Texas A&M out of my contenders for this conference. When you lose Kipson, Rinderneck, Arcanada, and Contanzariti, that's just too much for me given the, the strength of the top three teams in this conference. Is that okay with both of you if we throw them out? I don't think they're going to win the conference, but I think they are in the top four. Sure. What about? But it, but so for the sake of discussing who's going to win, it's okay with you, Chris, because it's your conference. Yep, that's fine with me. <laughs> All right, Matt, is tangential, okay with you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Then here's how we're going to do this. Obviously, Chris, you'll be arguing on behalf of Mississippi State. Stokowiak, you're going to give the case for Florida. I'm going to give the case for Georgia. Chris, we'll start with you. 
All right. So uh, let's see. I, I got to believe that if if you don't think Mississippi State's the favorite, you're going with Florida. We played Florida twice last year, <laughs> both the, the regular season and the SEC tournament. We beat them both times. Sure, they're bringing in a lot, but now they lost Chase Perez Blanco, right? Uh, and they've they brought in Riffis, uh, and they've got some other guys, but I'm not sure the other guys. I still firmly believe Kessler's probably six. So basically, they brought one guy into the lineup, but they lost a guy out of the lineup. So uh, it's I think that's pretty close to a close to a wash. Uh, we beat them twice last year. I, I, I'm sticking with it, and and the in the Georgia, you know, I I do think that that it's very it's very possible that all three of those teams kind of play in each other and you got to you still got a bunch of other teams to worry about but they could split a, a three-way we could end up with a very weird uh you know three or four-way tie for the regular season but uh but no my, we we went two and oh against florida last year we beat georgia four zero at georgia i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll take my Bulldogs. So I, I know your argument because we've talked about it before, but for our listeners who don't know about the continuity of this Mississippi State team, can you kind of talk about the journey these guys have all gone through? Because the, so many of them are in the same grade. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the four guys that kind of the, the, the fantastic four, if you will, as they've kind of come <laughs> to be known. So uh, with with Nuno Strali, Nick, and Trevor, uh, who came in together, they're seniors this year. Uh, you know, and it's not just it, there are a lot of teams where, you know, the guys aren't the best of buddies. Uh, you know, it's it's not a team, if you will. These guys are, are a team. Those four guys, they live together. Uh, the four of them have a have a place. They live together. They're best friends. They, you know, they do everything together. Um, it's, you know, and not only that, but it's but they're really it's it's about the team. If you know, if, if you went to one, if you went to Nuno and said, hey, man, we need you to play two or three. Obviously, it's never going to happen. He'd say, hey, we're going to win. That's fine. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever we got to, you know, whatever we need. If, if, if you tell me Gio's playing better than me, sure. Uh, but they're, they're all about the team game. Uh, and and it, they are they are really a team, uh, and, and the guys all pull for each other. So it's it's a lot of fun to watch them. Uh, and there's there are it's not a bunch of individuals for sure. And in terms of their doubles lineup, they'll they'll probably roll with the same pairings, right? Uh, I I think you're going to see the same pairings with potentially one minor exception. So you're going to obviously so Nuno and Strali finished the year ranked number one in doubles. <laughs> so they they come back playing one doubles. I don't I mean how do you not uh, how do you not do that? So Nick and Gio come back playing two doubles. They're ranked like number seven right now, I think. Uh, so so you got to play them at two. And then last year it was Trevor and Flo at three. And it, and this year it could be Trevor and Flo. It could be Trevor and they've got an, uh, a new kid, uh, Gregor Ramskogler, um, who's a big, tall kid with a great serve. Uh, 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 and I think that uh, there's a good chance we might see him in dubs. Couldn't tell you what we're going to see. It could be Trevor and Flo. could be Trevor and Gregor. But uh, – you know, for the most part, barring whoever Trevor's playing with, yeah, we're going to see the same doubles lineup of of a team that lost like maybe one match at two doubles all year. Uh, it's hard to lose doubles when you got one lock and then you got the number one team at one. No, I, I completely agree with you. And we saw this team lose four three to the finalists Ohio State in a match where you had two of the five best players in college tennis for sure grinding it out. And if you're a fan of college tennis, that is what you want to see. And if you're Nuno Bourget, who lost that match to Mikhail Torbergard, 
you know, that is the ultimate learning experience. Nothing benefits you more as from, as a tennis player than getting to play in that type of moment. And you have to imagine senior year, this guy who's already won everything that has to be won in college outside of that team title. They certainly have a strong case, not only for the SEC, but for the national title as well. Now, you know, sticking though in conference, Matt, I know you're about to make the argument that no team in the conference possesses more talent, maybe even in the country, one through eight, than the Florida Gators. Yeah, you're damn right I am. (laughs) Florida, (laughs) I absolutely am. I mean, if if you look at the roster, they're clearly the most talented team in the SEC. They're also deeper. Uh, Look, I love Mississippi State. They're a cohesive unit, but they're not quite as talented, and they're definitely not as deep. So for me, and Chris made the point, he, he really made this point for me, I think. He mentioned the loss of Perez Blanco and the addition of Riffis. To me, that's not a wash. That, that's an upgrade. You, you know, to be honest, Riffis. Quarterfinals in the, the Orlando abs- Challenger. The guy is coming in hot. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's a serious upgrade, in, in my opinion. Not a wash at all. So there's an upgrade there. And just the experience, Alfredo Perez, Johannes Ingoldson, you know, Crawford's back for another year now. These guys have gone pretty deep. Um, you know, they made the quarters of the tournament last year, uh, losing to A&M. I just think this squad, if they can somehow put it all together— They may not have that cohesiveness the way that MSU might or some other teams, but if they get that, look out because they're more talented. They're just better players, and I think they're going to be strong in doubles. Perez and Ingoldson have proven in the past that they're a great doubles team. Crawford's a good doubles player. Riffis will be able to come in and add to that, and they have options. You know, if there's an injury... You know, you can put a Duarte Valle or McLean Kessler or Lucas Greif in the lineup and not even and not blink. With MSU, I'm telling you, if there's an injury to one of those guys, they could be in trouble. And, and that's say, my worry. So that's probably the best. I mean, not the best argument. All of your arguments are good, but for Florida. They are the team most well-equipped to handle an injury. They have so many options, 6-8, through eight, where no matter who you play, you still feel like you have such a solid chance to win. That's right. They're just they're deeper than everybody else, and the top of their lineup, you know, 1 through 4, it's going to be Crawford, in, in some order, Crawford, Perez, uh, Riffis, and Ingoldson in the top four. I mean, I'm going to stack those four up against anybody any day and take my chances. And then, you know, you drop off to five and six. And, you know, there's not too much of a drop off there. I mean, there's some serious talent down there as well. So for me, this year, it's it's Florida's to lose. They may not have quite the same experience as, as Mississippi State. You know, those guys went deep last year as well. Um you know, the, the fab four or whatever Chris called them, the famous four. I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're really good. I like them a lot. The but, four. Yeah. Right. Whatever we want to go with the, what, the four. What happens in Stark uh, Vegas stays in Stark Vegas. That's right. At the end of the day though, to me, this is Florida's conference to lose. If they don't win it, they should be disappointed. Well, this is another instance where you could totally see a regular season champ and a tournament champ being two different teams. Now, we talked about this a little in our kickoff weekend, but Chris, you're the UTR wizard. I know you've got formulas for this sort of stuff, so I need to ask you, 
you know, Crawford probably at one, at least early in the year, especially, is a lock. But then two through six, I can tell you Alfredo Perez will go from playing number one as a sophomore to number three as a junior to number five as a, as a senior, and you can't call me crazy, right? No. Crazy. No, I can't call you <laughs> He's crazy. He's not playing five. He's not playing five. I, I well, think I think Nick or I, I think Matt called him his brother. I think Matt's going to be shocked <laughs> when he sees the Florida. Well, I won't know about the opening day lineup because they've got such a cakewalk in the ITA kickoff. But in their first real match, I'm not so sure that who he thinks the top four are are the top four. Um, I think. What do you th- What do you think it is? Well, here's here's the deal. I don't know. I really don't know where they're going to put Alfredo because. He didn't play in the fall. He's coming back. You know, I, I think he's actually coming off injury. Uh, so they're A, they, okay. they've got to ease him in. And the guy that's probably the outside of Crawford playing the best on the team is Andre. Um, I think they, I think, I don't, they may play him above Engelson. We might see Engelson at five. I'm not that's sure. That's crazy. We, he, I know. And he played, he played, he played one, two last year, right? He played so we well could, at two as well. Yeah. We we could see him at five. We could see at least early, maybe because they're easy, because of he's not had match time or anything else. We could see Perez down there, but you got to believe if he's got any form at all, he's not going to stay there, and he should land at probably two or three. Uh, my guess is three again. Uh, my you know I think by, right. I think when the year's done, by the end of the year, I think we see Crawford, Riffis, Perez. Andrade Ingleson in some order or another uh, at four or five. And then you got the battle between Kessler Valle and Greif for six. I mean, that's yeah. The, whoever's, whoever's playing the best. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, the amazing that's, that's, a, part. that's the luxury that, that coach Brian Shelton has is, you know, he can just go with the hot guy. If Kessler rips off, you know, an eight match winning streak or something like that, you ride him. If not put Valle in, you know, put Greif in. It doesn't matter. I just, you know, you made a good argument for MSU. I like the Bulldogs a lot, but it, there's no way in this conference I'm picking anybody other than Florida. I just can't. <laughs> well, that's fair, and I'll say this. It wouldn't shock me if, see, if we see Rifus, you know, lower in the lineup at first. Again, that's a luxury they have. Let him ease his way into the no-ad scoring. I know he took a bad loss, I think, at the All-American, so give him some time to, you know, adjust to that, but... Yeah, the depth on this team is crazy. If you're going to—I'll try and do this real quick. It's a little disingenuous, but what the heck. If you're making the case for Georgia, you know, all of your arguments start with the Zelinski-Reinberg combo at 1-2, and and obviously Coach Manny Diaz, who has seen anything you can see in college tennis— they bring back Walker Duncan for solid depth lower in the lineup in that four through six range. Robbie Loeb has been number one in the country in doubles, has a ton of depth. Of course, that loeb Zelinski doubles pairing bodes well. And then, of course, they have one of the top newcomers coming in in Trent Bride. So you've got five solid contributors likely to the lineup. You know, after five, it gets a little sticky. Philip Henning, Britton Johnson, not exactly sure what we're going to see. I'm really excited for their schedule because, as you mentioned, they're playing Ohio State. They've got Baylor at the kickoff weekend and Michigan or NC State. That's going to be another good match. Georgia's a team that's going to be peaking, again, I think more at on May 1st than they will be on February 1st. And this is a team given... Well... <laughs> 
I talked myself out of it. I don't think Georgia's going to win this conference. I think it's going to be one of the other two. I'm, 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 I'm just saying Georgia is certainly a sneaky team. They have a ton of talent, one through five, as good as anyone there. The problem, again, comes down to number six. Yeah, and and I think your biggest issue there is going to be much like the the K and and Matt made a great point for the argument against Mississippi State, and that would be if you if somebody gets hurt, if somebody gets hurt, there's no doubt they've they've got some trouble. But there's nobody that you know you can you can say that, but they don't have they don't have somebody that you're that's kind of on the clock, if you will. Oh, for hey, that guy's got a history. Let's go to Georgia now. Walker Duncan missed a ton of time last year with an injury that isn't the kind of thing that goes away. Robert Loeb missed a bunch of time uh, with shoulder problems. They have some issues that I don't know how those guys, you know, and if, if either one of those guys has to miss significant time, you're taking a team that, you know, to your point was five, was very good five deep. Now you go four deep. You can't win the SEC with four guys. Yeah, you're definitely right. And here's the other thing, though, I like, you know, in this conference about Mississippi State's, or just I like about their team. Maybe not bodes well, though, for the conference why I like someone other than them to win. This Mississippi State team has won regular season accolades. They know what that's like. They know none of that means shit. It's really about how you perform at NCAAs for them, how you perform at national indoors. And so if they take a regular season loss— I don't think that matters as much, and that's why I could see Florida winning the conference, but Mississippi State doing the best of these teams at the NCAAs because that's where I think, you know, all assuming health is equal for everyone, we're going to see the best Mississippi State team. Am I am I crazy for that sentiment, Chris? I don't think you're crazy. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's they're I think they're I think Mississippi State and Florida are just they're right. They're both very good schools, and and I'll I'll go with with Matt that on paper if you're going to look at it on paper you got to make Florida the favorite but uh but that's looking at a bunch of singles guys on paper I'll take you know, and no Florida's got great doubles too but uh in a team match you, you got to like the chances for Mississippi State and uh it's that's it, why it's going to be fun I hope hopefully we get to see those two come down to it at the end oh. is their match in Starkville or Gainesville uh Gainesville Ooh, see, that's that's a point for me. And that's then, another. And then and then to, and then to make it worse, the SEC tournament's in Gainesville. <laughs> Ooh, see, I'm liking my pick more and more. <laughs> but you know, when we get to NCAA's, yeah, I mean, it's a different so. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Well, then, we've talked about this conference long enough. Let's get to the picks, Chris. I think I know what you're going to say, but just hit it with me anyway. Who you got? Oh, you, I got to take the Bulldogs. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Matt, what about you? Gators. So then I I guess I'm the tiebreaker on who I think made the better argument. Matt, I don't have to get, keep you happy to get you back on the pod, so I'll roll with Mississippi State as well. I want to talk to Chris more in this year. We need someone to cover college tennis, so I'm sorry. I, I know where to butter my bread. Well, then we can leave it there. I always say this before we go, but huge shout out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who really do have a f- of an editing job to do. For our wonderful co-hosts today, Chris Halliores and Matt Sikoic, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, Matt, you know what we say to our fans. Hey, great shot. I love it, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, guys, for doing this.